Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Why, hello and welcome to Near and Queer to My Heart. I'm your host, Amanda G. Didn't that sound good? Didn't that sound all serious and shit? How y'all doing? This is Amanda G. This is the Near and Queer to My Heart podcast. We're trying to make it sound a little NPR-ish. Just spice it up a little bit. We're happy you're here. Thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time, we'll break it down for you. The way it works, every episode we interview a different queer performer, and at the end of the interview, we're going to play a clip of whatever their art is. We do a lot of stand-ups just because that's who I know. Uh, We also interview storytellers, songwriters, authors. Just we want queer artists to share with us their lives and how they got to where they are now and all their experiences that maybe other people can relate to or are just funny and will make your day. Because let's be real. Right now, we need things that are funny to make our day. I will say, and not a funny thing, but just something I want to acknowledge, RBG, we wish you well. We hope you have a speedy recovery. You're the most amazing person ever. I mean, RBG has to be okay, right? Like, nothing can get that lady down. She works out more than I do. She's at, what, 85? And she's hitting the gym all the time? She could probably lift me over her head. I, uh, I'm really excited about this episode. This is somebody she featured at the Midwest Queer Comedy Festival. Uh, at that festival, I didn't really have a chance to to interview her. Just time flew by so quickly. But luckily, the very next month, I was doing a festival called ColaCon in her hometown in Columbia, South Carolina. So while I was there, I was like, hey, can we make this happen? And she was like, absolutely. And I loved it. I rolled up. Uh, we met at her friend's house where we did the recording. And I don't know why. Like, Jen Snyder, like, I always just... Pictured her as like southern, butch, truck driving, mud slanging kind of, kind of gal. And I pull up to the house where I'm doing the interview and I see she has this little white hatchback and I'm pulling up in my little white hatchback. And I was just like, fuck, this is cool. And it was everything in the interview was cool. The thing with Jen, Jen Snyder's who we interviewed, if you couldn't tell by what I said earlier, but the thing that I took away from this and that I hope you do too is Jen is genuinely the most positive person. Everything good or bad, she can turn into something positive and she can, you know, turn it into something she does on stage or off stage or just, you know, wanting to like, she genuinely, like a lot of people say like, Oh, I just want to make the world a better place. Jen says it and she fucking means it. And not only does she mean it, but she lives by that. Like that is her life and that is her world. And it's so cool to, to see that. It's so refreshing because sometimes it really is hard to see, that at the end of everything, that it's going to be okay and that we can do things that can actually make a positive change or a difference or just bring a smile or a laugh to somebody. And maybe that'll change their whole world around, you know? I really am excited to bring this interview to you. So let's not delay it any further. Let's get to it. Jen Snyder. Hello, Jen Snyder. What's up? Hello. How are you? 
This is so cool. Like, this is my second time meeting you mm-hmm. in less than a month. In less than a month. <laughs> yeah. At a festival. Yeah. The first one we did was the Midwest Queer Comedy Fest. And now we're at ColaCon Fest in your hometown. Yeah. Right? Not, yeah, Col- where Columbia, from. South Carolina. Yep. Born and raised. I actually like, I hadn't been here before. And everyone's yeah. been super cool. Yeah. It's nice. It's a college town. Okay, yeah. I saw a lot of Gamecock shirts, and I'm yeah. like, this better be for football, because yeah. that's funny. When I first went to Denver, <laughs> I had a Go Cox hat, and every time I went to the gay bar, boys were like, I will buy that for you. This is before the internet, of course. <laughs> oh, shit. You yeah. just drive back, load up the trunk. Yeah. I was like, like, this is a real place. It's not a joke. <laughs> and they're like, so $40. Yeah, exactly. One of the things I, I did want to ask you about, when we were at the Queer Comedy Fest, and I was telling you about this, one of my jokes that I had, and I was just like, this joke usually does better. And you were talking about how, like, because now we're, like, in this queer space performing with queer folks that we kind of do an act for straight people a lot of the time oh yeah don't you think I mean, I, I hadn't really thought about it. Until, until you, you hit the fest, right? Yeah. And you saw, I mean, because I saw, it, it didn't just happen to you. It happened to me. It happened to, it happened to almost every comic I saw get up there. And it's because I think we're not used to entertaining us, you know? I mean, we're used to entertaining straight people. And, and I noticed that, like, I, I did a show this week in Charleston for their um, LGBT LOL show. It's part of their Charleston Pride. And uh, some of my jokes don't land. And it's because mm-hmm. I've tailored them for straight crowds because that's who comes to comedy shows most of the time. A lot of queer jokes, sometimes we're just explaining shit to, to straight people. Yeah. We're like, this is what Carpet Muncher is and this is what this is. And then... This is what Gold Star means. No, you're right. And I think that's why um, a lot of people were fussing about the Nanette thing and they were like, there were no jokes, there were no jokes. I'm like, I could see where there were no jokes for straight people. There were lots <laughs> of jokes yeah. for which lesbians. Like, as a, as a you know, male-looking female, but I'm not transgendered, Nanette hit hard with me. Like, really hard. And so I thought I thought it was hilarious in spots. And no, it wasn't funny the whole way through, but I don't mean I think that was, like, the cool part of it. Of course, like, the minute Nanette came out, and I'm sure for you, too, everyone's like, have you seen it? Yeah, they like, did. The, at first, I was like, I don't know what this is. And then I was like, it's something called Nanette by someone named Hannah. And I looked it up, and I watched it, and then I had a lot of different thoughts about it. But everyone wanted my thoughts immediately, because, yeah. like, obviously... I'm gay, and, and they know she's you're the gay, representative. Yeah, you're the representative of your pure people, you know what I'm saying? So. so, like, if I like it, it's okay for them to like it, or if I don't like it, it's okay for them to, you're to not like it. You're our gay ambassador. Tell us what you thought about Nanette. But then I'm also very diplomatic, so I'm just like, yeah. I was like, the first half, because like, I think it's kind of just in parts, you know? Mm-hmm. I think the first half is a stand-up special, and I think the second half, it leans more towards a TED Talk, but I think you needed the first half to get people comfortable enough to, to deliver the message. You're right. You're absolutely not even to right. enjoy it, just to sit there and fucking take it. Yeah, you know? and yeah. listen. If she start, came in and started off, you know, with a lot of that stuff, it, it wouldn't have. It would have landed differently, and it would have felt different. Yeah. Well, I mean, so many people had so much to say about it, and uh, I was like, you know, most of the people that had the the worst and the most things to say, I'm like, I've never seen you pack out an arena. That was a big <laughs> venue yeah. full of people. So obviously she's good at what she does. Obviously she's a stand-up. If you didn't like what she had to say, I felt like it was mostly because it was probably something you didn't want to hear. I don't know, you know, shrug emoji on this uh, (laughs) podcast as I'm talking, but we can get off of that. But that was, you know what I mean? I think that's the thing. Like we have another language as gay comedians and queer comedians. We have another culture. And it's like, it's it's almost pop culture, you know, like sometimes people don't get references to movies and things like that. I think that's where that line is for straight to gay people. You know, we have our own 
terminologies, you know, talks about bears, you know, like straight people are like bears. I mean, those things that live in the woods, I'm like, no, they're hairy, they're good at cooking. <laughs> when I got to the Midwest Queer Comedy Fest, so many people were like, oh my God, Jen Snyder's here, Jen Snyder. And I remember someone, one of the other comics came up to you and was like, I'm so nervous that I'm going to be performing and you're going to be watching me. And then when I got here to Columbia, I was at TAPS, I did the show at TAPS in the basement and someone came up to me afterwards and she's like, oh, I love your comedy. And then she's like, do you know Jen? And I was like, yeah, yeah, like nice. I'm gonna catch because I think you had a show later that night. And I was like, I'm gonna catch her show. And she's like, oh, she's she's performing like Jen's the best. And she, and I was just like, okay, shit. Man. You got you got little fangirls. You got little people are so kind. I mean, <laughs> like honestly, like I I'm really really humbled by how nice people are and how much they you know kind of look up to me. I don't want to sound like an asshole or something. You know, by saying no, that, that's but... part of like what we do. Like you're, you're the one up there on the stage doing this and you're giving people confidence and strength and even just entertainment. Like yeah. it's, it's a cool thing. It, it, yeah. And it, it, you know, like, I mean, I'm still humbled by people's talent and I'm still amazed at some of the things that do. Uh, did you see the, the underwear show? Uh, strip Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, Yeah. I didn't mean to say it like, yeah, I saw the strip joke. I was. Were you in it? Because I was. I'm too scared to do that. One. Okay, I ate a bunch of mushrooms, so chances <laughs> are you know, I might have missed it. But uh, Matt Loxley, I think, one of the comics. That, did you say? Did you catch his set? Yeah, that was one of the most powerful pieces of comedy I think I've ever seen. And yeah, I was on mushrooms, but <laughs> what that boy did was, I mean, not boy, man, but he was so young, and to talk about being sexually assaulted. And having to tell your parents and, it, and have it be your first sexual experience. And I hope I'm not saying too much, you know, about his, you know, story. But he made that so funny. You know, he was like getting laughs out of something truly painful. And I, he made me cry. I was so impressed by that, you know. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, I, that's what I want to be. You know, I want to be that. I want to be that open and raw and able to take my pain and make it funny because I mean I think that's what we're all doing probably as comics I mean I know I became funny because people picked on me and tortured me all the time in high school and I hated it and, and you know all growing up actually and I realized that making them laugh took the tension away and took the focus away from me and then sometimes the meaner people if you're more clever than them and you're meaner back they won't do it because they don't like being embarrassed and you know and that's where my cleverness came from that's where my sharp wit came from it, it was a survival instinct <laughs> do you think that's about I mean is that for you the same yeah well I, I was a, a really quiet kid mm -hmm. and so I felt like I was always and that's what's so weird that I perform now like if you knew me growing up my mom was very outspoken about every like she would take care of business for the family so I could just kind of hide behind her <laughs> and I didn't really talk I was always scared I, I grew up in Southern California I grew up in Los Angeles and everyone cool. is super judgmental there a lot of the things you think about it are true so just growing up I was like not blonde I was not tall I was from the poorer side of town. Yeah. Like all these things made me feel less than. Mm. And the people that I went to school with didn't help with that. And mm. so I just was like, I'll just be quiet and, you know, do well in school and just get the fuck out of here. But when I did talk, I just wanted it to be funny. Yeah. You know, I wanted it, the words I did say for people to remember. Yeah. Absolutely. And I feel like it came from that. Also, I think it comes from my family. Like we're Jewish and we, I think Jewish people, like we talk a lot. When we're home, you know, when I was home, we talk a lot and we kind of fuck with each other and you say what's on your mind. Like, like a we good family should. Yeah, like we, we don't, we don't hold things in. We don't hide. If somebody's mad, if you did something, if uh, you know, whatever we say it. Yeah. So you also learn to like comment on things in the family. Yeah. So. And be a smartest. Yeah. Like that's my, my family made me a terrific. <laughs> I mean, like they really, um, and it's funny that you say, it cause like you're quiet and, um, my brother's the same way, but he is 
by and large, the funniest person in my family. I'm not shit compared to my brother. Thank God he has a crippling shyness that keeps him <laughs> from the stage. But I mean, that was the, yeah, my you first... brother, sister. Oh you know? uh, man, he, he he's too funny. I, he would shame me. He would shame me. But I thought the same thing about you when I met you. I was like, you're so quiet and reserved. And then you got up there, and I was like, whoa, this woman is so damn funny. And I I felt like people didn't even appreciate your genius a few times. That the joke you have about the carpet munching and it ending at the tile. I was yeah. like, <laughs> That is the best joke ever. That should have gotten more laughs, you bastards. Sometimes the audiences are like, I don't know what she's saying. And I'm like, it's so clear. Like, to me, it's not one of the... Con- I have a few jokes that I think are over some people's heads. They're just more for me. Yeah. Do you have jokes that are like for you? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But definitely, that, I mean, I think I feel like that was maybe even a comics comic joke you know what i mean like yeah. comics are like i see what you did there <laughs> the straight people are like i don't know <laughs> i don't i don't mm. yeah i think lesbians remind straight dudes that like we will eat pussy I know. and i think some of them are like i don't like doing that or i don't want to think of and i'm just like everyone you should everyone should be eating pussy if yeah. you're with somebody who has one eat the fucking shit out of that pussy i don't know why people are so into eating butt but not pussy i mean given the option i'm gonna i mean <laughs> even without it uh yeah, I don't, man, you know, that's the thing with straight people. They don't, um, sometimes they don't do their oral sex. And I'm like, what a bummer your sex life must <laughs> be, man. And I think sometimes we're like this reminder and then we're telling jokes about it and they're just like, this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> don't like, bring God it up. damn it. <laughs> now, now we're going to have to talk in the car. I'm going to have to explain that it hurts my neck and my shoulders get tired. <laughs> So, is it, so family life, you have a brother, any other siblings? Nope, I just have an older brother. He's eight years older than me. My parents, he's actually, he, my mom was married before my dad. So he's my half-brother, but I don't think of it like that. And then my parents are married, but they got divorced for two years and then remarried each other. Oh, shit. What, yeah. what like, got them back together? I always wonder that when people are like, they got married they were so in love they got yeah. married then they were so not in love that they actually went through like legal proceedings yeah. to end that shit yeah they didn't just like move out no they spent money and everything lawyers yeah. the whole night <laughs> and then somehow they got back together and yeah. got remarried yeah they so remarried they each other did it again yes so like i guess because um at the time my brother was still i think he was still in high school maybe and um i was doing sports and stuff like that like badly but i wanted to impress my dad so i did sports and um my mom said that she realized that she could date other people, and they both dated other people. Horrible people that I just could not stand. Yeah. But uh, no, actually, one of them was pretty cool, but he was just boring. But um, <laughs> my mom said that she realized no one was going to care about our stuff the way my dad was. You know, no one's going to come watch our games or watch me be in plays or chorus concerts or, you know, and, and so I think that's what it was because I was always doing something. Like, if it wasn't sports, it was chorus, uh, it was drama, you know, like. How old were you during that time? Uh, I was, uh, let's see, when they got divorced, I was, I think, 11. And then they got remarried when I was 14. Is that weird for you? That, like, one day you're, like, you have two homes, and then the next day, like... Yeah, well, it, it, it eliminated two Christmases, so that was a real... <laughs> no, um, it was weird. They hid it from me, I think, because they uh, wanted to make sure that they were going to do it. And then once we found out, now it was cool. We were excited they were going to go um, just to the Justice of the Peace and get married, because they'd already had a wedding the first time. And they had stuff, you know, like toasters and crap. So me and my brother threw him a surprise wedding. Aww. We rented a gazebo. We got their friend who's a pastor to marry him. My aunt made a cake. I was my mom's maid of honor. My brother was my dad's best man. It was really cool. That's sweet. Yeah, so we were there at their wedding. And uh, yeah, no, they're happy. They travel now. They have puppies and kitties. I live with them. We, we still do a family dynamic, you know. We're all pretending it's 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm still 18. They're still in their 40s. <laughs> 
That's fine. I think my part of my mom like wants me to move back. <laughs> she, they love it. And honestly, I love it too because like I'm a I need love. I've been loved and cared about my whole life. My mom, my first words were "I love you" because it was all I ever heard. Yeah, and, that's I'm real, sweet. And I'm real much like sweetheart. That. But I get up every morning and give them hugs, and I just don't feel like I'll ever look back and be like, man. I wish I hadn't spent all that extra time with my parents when they were around. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I love, they, they love me. They love hearing about my shows. I come home and tell them about it. You know, mom makes me whatever I want when I come home off a tour. Like, Fuck. it's amazing. I would like, yeah. Lie. I'd like a home cooked meal. <laughs> Laundry is done and put on the bed sometimes. Not all the time. But okay. I was like, they're still doing it. I'm like, I'm moving in with you. <laughs> she doesn't do it all the time. But every once in a while, you know, like if I leave it in the dryer, I'll come home and it'll be folded on the bed. I'm like. You ain't gonna find a roommate that'll do that, okay? No. You'll barely find a wife that'll do that. Yeah, and if you find a roommate that's doing that, they're probably creepy. Yeah. <laughs> I smelled these and then folded them for you. Yes, don't worry. I was already under your bed when you left for work, so. You can't say that to me. That's one of my biggest fears. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I don't like the, that's the joke about somebody being under the bed. That's like a real thing for me. No, it's a, I'm scared of the dark still. Like I just stayed in a hotel room by myself while I've been here. Yeah. And the bed, I like when the hotel room has the bed. That's where metal that's, under the bottom. Where it's like sealed in. Yeah. So like literally no one can be under your mm-hmm. bed. But this one did not have mm-hmm. that. And so I would leave certain lights on to remember like which ones I left on. The, the shower curtain cannot be closed all the way because somebody could clearly just be in there. The, the, the bathroom door can't. Like I am so paranoid about that. And, you know, especially because this hotel I was staying in wasn't, like, the nicest hotel, yeah, yeah, and yeah. I was by myself. But, you know, it's it's always been okay. But I'm like that at home, too. Yeah. Like, Even at your house? You yeah. Like, like, if my girlfriend's not home, I, like, can't sleep. I just get really stressed out. So what if she, that. like, leaves the shower curtain closed? Is that like a... We have a clear shower curtain. We have eliminated that. <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to live in fear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is my house. I pay bills here. I will not be afraid that there's some weirdo behind the shower curtain. <laughs> no, I'm like, I figured out a way around this. <laughs> it's like, it's a clear shower curtain. There's no problems. I'm so glad you didn't grow up in my family because... My mom would just scare the hell out of you just for funsies. Oh, yeah? She would have fucked with me? Oh, my God. They loved it. My my grandma was like that. The story I told in the podcast, that was legit. My grandma would just love to jump out or hide behind something and scare you. <laughs> I, it's the worst. And it made my mom that way. So she thinks that shit's hilarious. <laughs> and she would definitely, yeah. Does she still do that? Yeah, every once in a while, I cuss her at her. I cuss at her now. God damn it, mama. And then I get her back sometimes. Like, sometimes I don't even mean to. She's old. They don't hear as good. So I'll just be, like, walking in somewhere, and I'll be like, hey. <gasps> I just, said, hey, well, what, what else was I supposed to Yeah. I'm letting you know I'm here so that you don't get scared. What is the difference between hey and boo? I guess intent? Yeah. <laughs> so your parents obviously cool with you being gay. Oh, yeah. How long have you been out? Like, do you have a do you have a cool coming out story? Oh, man. A couple of them. Um, I always I usually ask this as like, when did you come out to yourself? When did you come out to friends and family? And then if you had like a an on stage coming out, because you don't just have one coming out moment. That's true. I'm sure even now you're still like. Yeah. Well, the haircut does it all. <laughs> it just does all the work, you know. Well, okay. So I've always I've always looked like this. I've always been a tomboy. Um, even growing up, I had really short hair. So I knew around five, like, which sounds crazy, but like. I always wanted to rescue a princess. I never wanted to be the princess. Mm. Every year for Halloween, like when I was like four and five, I was like, I want to be Rambo. I want to be the Lone Ranger. I want to be Zorro. You know what I mean? I always want to be. Yeah, they're fucking cool. They are cool. Right. My first bike was a He-Man bike. I have, and my parents have always just kind of let me be who I was, but I had all brothers and I have a brother and all male cousins. So I think they just kind of thought I was a tomboy. But then around 14, I knew I was gay, and I had my first girlfriend, and oh, she was older. She was 19. 
How'd you? How'd you? Church. Oh. <laughs> like you do. I think it's so funny. It's like either the internet or church. Church. You meet a good Christian girl. That's what you want. <laughs> um, she's actually amazing. We wound up being best friends later in life. And we just started hanging out. We didn't like each other at first. I liked her friend and she was always hanging around. I was like, she's so annoying. And then we just were hanging out by ourselves, going to a Bible study. And I don't know, some, she asked me. And I don't think anybody had ever asked me until that point. And I was like, yeah, I'm gay. And she was like, well, how do you know? I was like, I just know. I haven't had messed around with a girl. I haven't even kissed a girl. But I know that's what I want to do. And so we started dating. And I kept that under wraps for years. And then uh, when I was in high school, I was dating this girl uh, named Piper. <laughs> Shout out, Piper. We still talk. We're still friends. Aww. Yeah, I'm friends with almost all my exes. <laughs> um, well, put a pin in that. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> but she... um. This other girl in my high school liked her and was always trying to pursue her and trying to get her to date her. And so one day I'd had enough of it. So I was like, we're going to all go have a chat. So Piper and I signed out and this other girl just skipped school. And her mom found out she skipped school while we were talking it, talking it out or whatever. Basically, we just got high and I was like, stop hitting on my girlfriend. Did that work? Mm, no, it was... This, that's a crazy tale. I could tell you that if you want, but that chick's another story. I was like, it can't be that easy. Uh, th- she was obsessed with me. Like, she tried to be me. She dated seven of my ex-girlfriends. Like Jesus. Th- yeah. She's just following you around. Just It was weird. Like, she even sent me an uh, email, like, when we, this is like six years ago, maybe, and we were adults. I hadn't even seen her in years, but I'll tell you about that in uh-huh. a second. But anyways, her mom found out she skipped, and so she had to leave. Well, she had her book bags in her car. And she got home and we realized she had her book bags. And she was like, my mom went through your book bags and read your notes. And she knows y'all are gay. And she's not going to give you your book bags back until your parents call her. I was like, man, this is fucked up. So I had my best friend Marvell, who was just really smart and articulate and good <laughs> with adults. I was like, call and pretend to be my dad. And he's like, all right, no problem. So he calls and while he's talking to this girl's dad, they get into a heated argument. And he winds up cussing at him. He's like, no, fuck you. And... So we hang up the phone. The girl calls back and is like, hey, your book bags are on the lawn. You can come get them. So we foolishly get in the car to go get our book bags. While we're gone to get the book bags, her dad called back to my house. Oh, no. But got my real dad this time. Because <laughs> you weren't there. Because I wasn't there and starts cussing my dad out. My dad's like, <laughs> sir, I don't know you. And so they figured it out. And then, of course, they told my parents. So when I got home, my mom was like, is there anything you want to tell me? And I was like... Uh, no, not that I can think of. I'm tired. Yeah, five p.m. That's had a rough time. day. <laughs> um, but she was, you know, I told her, and I was like, I just assumed you knew. And she was like, Well, I thought if I didn't know, I didn't know, you know, whatever that means in mom talk. She thought if she ignored it, it wasn't true, basically. But they were both really supportive. No anger, no tears. Um, Dad brought up a website. He was like, I I looked this up for you. Remember when the internet was still new and amazing? (laughs) But yeah, super supportive. Have loved me forever. And then in high school, I just looked like this. But uh, I was the only out lesbian in a... My my high school is called Airport High. Airport High. Yeah, because it's by the airport. Uh, I was going to guess that. (laughs) Lots of money. Lots of money there. Yeah, none, none at all. Yeah, and so, I mean, I even though I never said it, I never didn't say it. You know, I always looked really butch. I always wore guy clothes. I, my junior prom, I took uh, our <laughs> senior class president, who was a woman. Her name, oh. yeah, <laughs> her name was Angel. She was beautiful. She looked amazing. <laughs> uh, my best friend, Marvell, brought my girlfriend at the time, Piper. We all danced and had a good time. And then my senior year, 
I brought two girls to the prom. Holy shit. Yeah, two older girls. <laughs> They're <were> both tw- <laughs> 21. <laughs> one was blonde and one was a redhead. They were two feet taller than me. Like, they were really tall. We worked together at this uh, place in the mall called Trade Secret. It was the beauty salon. You worked in a beauty salon? Yeah, I, I sold you... shampoo. Okay. <laughs> I was a beauty advisor. <laughs> Instead of my name badge. It was the best job ever. I had it all through high school. And, uh, yes, I took two girls to senior prom. So I never was... I, I never said it, but I never denied it. And so there was a lot of torture, like uh, they vandalized my locker and my car and I got beat up or I beat up a few people and teachers were telling students. So my senior, no, no, my junior year, my principal offered to let me sue the school district. He was like, I'll stand behind you if that's what you want to do. Holy shit. It would have bankrupt our community, would have ruined, you know what I mean? And I didn't want people to know I was gay. I really just wanted them to leave me the fuck alone. Yeah, I was like, that would have put you in a public spotlight that I don't know if I would be ready for as a high school kid. Yeah, exactly. And I wasn't. And and then my senior year, I was really suicidal and I was going to drop out. And my principal made it so that every other day I could take a work study so I could get get out at half day and go to work. But by the time we did that, it still wasn't enough. So I went to 12 years of high school to the very last day just to get a GED. Because uh, by the time he switched it out, there was this English class that I didn't want to go to because it had a lot of football players that were constantly just torturing me. And so I would just skip it. And by the time I got back into another class, it was just wasn't enough. And my grades weren't going to pull through. And I wasn't going to go through another year of high school just to get a diploma. So the administrative administration knew like all this shit was going on and were they trying to like talk to the other kids or were they just like we'll just find jen another like where she can leave early or like yeah they basically just found a way for me to get out of there and get away from it now i know they talked to the teachers and then told them that you know under no circumstances and they were always really good to me and accommodating to me and made sure that you know if i was having a bad day i could just go in there and chill or even like sometimes teachers would get mad at me and send me in there and he wouldn't even, he'd be like, well, what are you doing here? Get out of here. Come on. They, they really did. They, they took really good care of me and they're the reason I'm alive. I probably would have killed myself my senior year because it was just, it's too much, you know, you, you're already just trying to survive and then people make it so hard. And, uh, I, I really commend those people. I commend those, um, educators who did that, who took the time to like look after me and make sure that I was going to make it. You know, just through life. <laughs> I think that's great. Like, I went to a pretty big high school, and I, they didn't know who the fuck I was, you yeah. know? And I, I definitely remember, like, going to them one time and being like, hey, I want to leave this town really badly. I need to, what do I need to do for this school, for that school? And they looked at my grades, and they're like, you're fine. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> okay, so then, you know, because sometimes they only worry about, like, uh, you know, certain kids that, you know, for us, like, uh, if the kids showed up, they get money. So they want to make sure whoever's not showing up, get them to show up, get get the money for the school to run, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, but for people to take the time out and really, like, be like, hey, this student needs us. She needs support. Yeah. You know, we'll back her up if she's going to sue us, which we know will fuck us. Yeah. Like, that's pretty cool. I mean, he was his idea. I and I mean, as a college kid, I, I mean, a high school student, I never even thought about it. I was like, I sue. Um, I think that the it was him and my senior advisor – uh, she was told from somebody in my middle school to watch out for me. So I, I th- I've always suspected that she was a lesbian. She, But, okay, when I graduated high school, she gave me Ruby Fruit Jungle as a gift. <laughs> so <laughs> There's your answer. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, so I don't know whoever this anonymous person in my middle school was, but I've kind of always just been really lucky and blessed that people have kind of looked out for me and loved me and, you know, kind of given me that support. It's, it's a blessing. It's an honor. 
So what'd you do after you got the GED? So then I just bounced around for years. Uh, basically pissed away my 20s doing nothing, which is uh, stupid. I wish I hadn't done it. I wish I had done more comedy. Um, and then around my early 30s, my mom got me a comedy class as a gift. Um, and I took it from Manny Alvera. He lives in Atlanta. He's a pretty funny comic. And it, it changed my life. It was amazing. It was um, It taught me how to do stand-up. Like... I was conversationally funny, but I didn't know how to structure it. And once you learn that, that structure, there's nothing you can't do. Like, if you're really serious about this. Um, and I know people shit on comedy classes all the time, but that's what got me into it. And uh, I did that first, you know, the little show that they do for the graduation yeah. show. That was my first show. Um, all my Well, it wasn't the first time I ever did stand-up, but it was my first show. And all my family came, and they were uh, super supportive. We had a great time. Oh, that's and awesome. Got lots of laughs. So I was like, yeah, this is it. Yeah, I used to, um, and actually in one of the episodes, I was talking to a comic, and this is one of the things, like, now that I've done, like, 20 or so episodes, I'm like, I wish I could go back and not be such an asshole, but uh, she was saying, like, she uh, started doing comedy because she took a class, and I was like, well, what's a stand-up class? Just, like, set up punchline and you're done, you know, like, I kind of had that attitude about it, but she's like, no, it's a class, like, that you go every week, and you write, and you produce, and you're with other people, and you're in a creative space, and I was like, oh, there are, you know, and she's like, and you learn the structure, and you learn why this is funny, and why, you know, and I was like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it was very useful. And like little things that people don't know, you know, like something as simple as moving the mic stand behind you. Like a lot of people don't realize that's the thing, but I mean, people's sight lines, they don't want to look at that. They want to look at you and all these little nuances that you just don't know and, and that are etiquette. And I mean, everybody can stand to learn some etiquette on the mic and, you know, respect the light and all that kind of stuff. But why would, I, I've never understood this. Why would you degrade anything that furthers your craft? I know that we're just talking. I know yeah. that it seems simple to most people, but like, if you really want to do this, if this is your life's work, your passion, then, you know, I would do anything. If they had a college, you know what I mean, where you could go stand up comedy class. I mean, I, somebody actually told me they did the other day. I was like, really? I yeah, I didn't. I was like, this sounds yeah. like bullshit. But uh, I would do that. I would do anything to be a comedian. If a famous comedian came to me right now and was like, I'm gonna make you my bitch for five years. You gotta do whatever I say. Go get my laundry. You know walk across the city to get me cheesecake, whatever. But I'll put you on after that five years. I would do it in a heartbeat. I would, you know, no problem. There's nothing I wouldn't do to do this. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's the best job in the whole wide world. We get to make people happy. I know. While making ourselves happy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> while traveling. Like, I've, you know, I've been really enjoying... I think a lot of people can't don't like the road or don't like that idea. I love... Oh, me too. I love driving up to Columbus, Ohio, and we yeah. stopped, my girlfriend and I stopped in a different city, like, every night, woke yeah. up, went to another, I loved it. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Eat breakfast in a crazy town. Where, what's, what's your town's breakfast? Where do you go, you yeah. know? What's your site? What's your thing? One time I was driving back, uh, middle of the week on a Tuesday, I was going to Knoxville from Nashville, and I was going through all those mountains, you know, it's really beautiful, and I noticed that there was, like, a little, uh, like a little dock by the river down there. And I was like, oh, fuck it, I'll go down there and smoke a bowl if nobody's <laughs> down there. So I drove down there, literally no one's out there. I go out on the dock, and I'm getting ready to smoke my bowl, and there were hundreds of yellowtail swallows. I don't know if they were mating or what, but they just, like, rose up and were, like, swirling around and, like, all over the lake, I mean, the river, and they were just, like, back and forth. It was perfect. And, like, it was, like, 11.30 on a Tuesday, and I was like, if I had a job... You know, I mean, like, a, I have a job. I have a job. Okay, I was like... <laughs> if I had a desk job, I wouldn't have seen that, you know? And, and those are those moments you'll never get back. It'll never be the same. I mean, I, even if I travel that road again... Yeah, you could sit there, like, 365 days in a row and maybe never not see that. Yeah. see that moment again. Yeah. 
And we get those. We get to share those. You know, we get to stop at the world's biggest ball of yarn. And you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's a blessing. Like, this is the hardest life I've ever lived. It's the most poor I've ever been. <laughs> I don't have girlfriend or dog money, but I have a lot of joy. And, like, I just want to give it away, man. I want to I want to make the world a little bit happier. I don't know what else to do. I can't build things. I'm not a soldier. You know, this is my gift, and it's what I'm told to give to the world, so I go out and do it. That's what I like about your comedy, too, because I feel like a lot of it's, like, super pot. Like, you have a joke about, I don't want to misquote your own joke, but it's basically about, like, how people are like, you got to take care of yourself. And you're like, I fucking love myself. I do whatever the fuck I want. I eat what I want. And the way you do it on stage, it's almost like a, a musical, like a number in a musical, the way, like, you perform that. It's Thanks. just, it, and you look so happy. That's my oldest joke. <laughs> Everybody's like, that. that's the joke I've been telling, like, from the beginning. And I know people are sick of it. But one, it always gets laughed. It's a blunt and cupcake. And it's I'm getting some shirts made with that. But uh, it's my favorite joke ever. Because it's the truest one, man. Like, don't let people make you feel bad about you. I think everybody wants to do that because they feel bad about them. And I think that's what's wrong with the world. I think we put so much pressure on people and we make people feel bad about shit that doesn't matter. And they lash out. I mean, you know, I, I feel like a lot more love could cure a lot of the world's ills. I mean, uh, universal health care would help a lot too, but, but a love would go a long way in a lot of people's lives. I think people are mean a lot of times because they lack that. They don't have it. They don't even know what it is. You yeah, know? sometimes I'm like, why are you so angry? I think that's why, man. I think, it, you know, I mean, you come from a loving family, I could tell, because you <laughs> carry yourself in the world that way. And I think that a lot of people don't get that. You know, a lot of people don't have any love in their life and I, I used to feel I think that's part of my comedy too for me I, I used to feel guilty about about a lot of things like I used to feel guilty that I had a dad that not, not only stayed but like fucking loves me yeah you know and, and a, a mom that supports me and listens to this you know like my mom listens to this podcast and then she'll call me after she listens and tell me her thought like I I gotta meet I, your mom. I, she sounds amazing. <laughs> she, if you ever come to show, she she'll come around. And she lives in Florida, so like you do. Yeah, it's Jewish. You hit sixty-five. Sorry, mom. She doesn't like people talking about her age. <laughs> and then uh, you hit sixty-five. You're Jewish. You go to Florida. Where she live in Florida? Does she live in Naples. Uh, no, she lives in Delray Beach area okay. by Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, Fort Lauderdale is beautiful. Yeah, mom, my mom got there. I'm like, you just gotta buy the white capri pants and. That's it. You're settled. You're in. Go to go to dinner at five thirty. But like, I used to just feel so much guilt about it because because at a certain age, I realized like not everybody has this. Yeah. And when I was very young, I assumed everybody had. Everybody that. had it, right? Yeah. My brother said the same thing. He came home one time and he was like, "I just thought all moms were like you." Like he literally didn't realize that all moms didn't like, and uh, it's funny that you say that about your dad. I like to say that like, hey man, I'm a lesbian because I got a good father figure. You know, that's what, <laughs> I want to be just like my dad. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. I used to try to write a joke about like you know because we I don't have the da- daddy issues I guess or was he something like yeah a- along that but I could never quite figure out the the punch that would make sense to everybody. Me too. Is that same thing? Like oh, yeah, I like women because I got a good dad in my life. It's like oh that doesn't sound good. Yeah, it just upsets people. I just had a similar joke where I wanted to be like. I can tell when you don't know to get out of the left lane on the highway that you didn't grow up with a dad, and it upset people <laughs> so bad. But like, if you had a dad, he freaking taught you to get out of the left lane. Yeah. Did your dad teach you that? Yeah. My fucking dad taught me that. <laughs> no, I used to have this joke too that was like super, I, I thought it was funny because it was like kind of true, but like creepy about like my dad and I, you know, like when I came out to him, he's basically like, we would see like someone on TV and be like, is that going to be your stepmom or your girlfriend? That's funny. <laughs> 
And uh, then I was like, I told it a few times and it did well. And then I feel like it got creepy because yeah. it's like, but like if a, a son and a dad did that, like they check out chicks all the time. That's cool. But like the minute it's like a dad and a daughter checking out a chick, like somehow that makes it weird. Weird. But he's but he was doing what he should do, which is treating me the same as my brother. Yeah. And that's what he would do with my brother. Now that my dad's not creepy, I promise. But like, no, no. you know, I'm just saying like, he's he's looking at it as like, I have two children. Not like I have a boy and a girl and I need to treat the boy and the girl differently. Oh, you like that? All right, let's talk <laughs> about it. It's like if you came home and was like, dad, I love football. He'd be like, God, let's do it. Let's talk everything about it. Yeah, you know? not my dad. Though. Uh, nice. My dad's yeah. a sports writer, so he would be so oh, awesome. happy, but I don't care. Yeah, the the men in my family are music dudes. Oh, nice. So I'm the football person. So I'm like, <laughs> I, I've rounded out the family. Maybe, nice. Because no one else knows about sports. I'm like, I got you guys. Who did you want to watch the other night that wasn't on at World of Beers? Saints. Of course. I'm a Saints fan, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because like every, I didn't care about sports, but then Katrina happened, and uh, I happened to go to Mardi Gras the year after Katrina. Dude, it was amazing. And like, they had all these billboards and posters everywhere. I mean, you know, like nothing stops Mardi Gras. Nothing. Like, people had built um, costumes out of those blue tarp things that they had put on houses. Oh, yeah. Like, this one couple had, like, a, um, she had a hoop skirt, and, like, a, you know, he had on a waistcoat, and they both those, you know, they would normally be powdered wigs. All of it made in that blue tarp stuff. It was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen, but I realized that that city was just, like, it had its, it had a magic all its own, and it was amazing, and I was like, so, fuck it, if I pull for a sports team, I pull for the Saints. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they deserve it. Yeah, and then they won the Super Bowl in 2008, and I was there, I was there, that was when I didn't live there yet, but I was dating someone that lived there, so I was visiting a lot, and it was just the the vibe of the city was yeah. so be- like I was literally people were driving down the street hanging out high fiving you outside their uh, of their window. I was at a bar where someone bought the entire bar a drink, nice. like for real. You hear that shit on TV, but he was like, no, everyone is getting it, and the the bartender went around and got us all drinks. That's awesome. Like everyone was just so excited to be there and for this team that meant something for the city to because they stayed yeah you know our basketball team wasn't they, they didn't come back right away so for them to come back knowing like the superdome was kind of fucked like they figured it out and it was really cool it's beautiful man that city like i it just got into me like that's why i wear this it's a florida lee because that was the first place i ever took myself on vacation like that yeah i saw first. that she has a florida lee uh, necklace and i was like is that because i'm coming over <laughs> so i just wanted to impress <laughs> you uh no i mean i really just the vibe of that it's magic there's a magic in that city. It's deeply rooted. Some of it's dark magic. You can kind of tell. You can feel it. But it's got its own vibe and its own kind of hum, you know? And I just really love it. I think it's the most beautiful place I've ever been. I'm, you know, I'm a huge New Orleans Yeah, fan. anytime you want to come back. Oh, I, I definitely <laughs> told my lady this morning. I was like, I'm going to do a podcast. This is my friend. We got to stay friends because I don't want to go visit. <laughs> How's your lady doing? She's good. She's good. She's... Can we talk about it? Sure, if you want to talk about it, we can. <laughs> How'd y'all meet? Church? <laughs> no, but she is a good church girl. Um, we actually met this other lesbian wanted to date her, and she refused to date her, and she kept asking her out, kept asking her out. She's like, no, no, no. And finally she was like, listen, I'm not being mean, but you're not my type. And so the girl was like, well, what's your type then? And she was like, I don't even know if my type's possible. She's like, I want to, I want if Leah Delaria and Rachel Maddow did it. And this girl was like, have you met Jen Snyder? <laughs> So, like, she friended me on Facebook and didn't say anything to me for, like, a year. Just, like, kind of checked me out on Facebook yeah. and saw stuff. And then uh, she just one day hit me up out of the blue to tell me that she liked a... I have a picture on my uh, Facebook of me, like, taking off a tie and shadow silhouette. 
a good friend, uh, Sean Rayford, who's an amazing photographer, took it. And she just hit me up. She's like, oh, I like that picture, blah, blah, blah. And we just started chatting, and she's gorgeous. She's a beautiful redhead, just stunning. And I was like, do I know you? Because I feel like I would have remembered that. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we just started talking back and forth on Facebook and went on a couple dates. And she's amazing. I'm very lucky. Yeah. How long y'all been to, together? I've been seeing each other about six months. So That's awesome. Yeah. What I like, because my girlfriend and I, too, like, met, like, through real-life things. I, I feel like a lot of lesbians I've been talking to lately, like, we're actually still meeting through real life. Yeah. Because Tinder is such bullshit. Like, we're like, I know all ten people on this Tinder Yeah, hers is ridiculous. Hers is the worst. Have you ever heard? I, I've heard. I haven't been on it. It's terrible. But I feel like they keep trying to make these, like, lesbian dating apps, and they're all the yeah. worst. It's like we won't go for it or something. We're not <laughs> like, like mm, I don't trust it. And the people that do, it's like, ugh. But then I can't really say anything because, um... My best friend is getting married, and she met her girlfriend on her. It works. Yeah, they're going to be the, the only success story. Well, they're beautiful. You know what I'm saying? I feel like beautiful people get, you know, like, people see my <laughs> picture, and they're like, oh, no, thank you. I have to I have to sell this with personality. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh, not that they have bad personalities. They're amazing. My friend's a, she's just a product manager, and the other one's a musician. So, you know, one's kind of business-minded, and the other one's artistic. So that works. So what's your ultimate, like, comedy goal? Like, what do you consider making it? At this point, I used to want to be really famous. I, I used to want to be like, you know, superstar like Wanda Sykes or Ellen or something like that. Um, at this point, I've been doing it so long and seeing so many great comics that aren't being seen and aren't getting out there and being famous that I think I just want dog money now. <laughs> you know, I just want to be able to make a living at this and have enough money to have a dog and have a house that's not at my parents. And, uh, you know, maybe even wife money one day. I don't know. Oh. I'm working on up to it. But I really just want to make a solid living at, it at this point. You know, like... I feel like that why shouldn't we be able to make a good living at this I would love to just not lose money yeah yeah like you know when you come to these festivals I know you it's that's out of your pocket everything you did you know and and that's tough but that's how you get seen that's how you this business man you have to set like stupid little goals like my first goal in comedy was okay this year I'm not gonna pay to do comedy I'm not gonna pay out of pocket I'm not gonna go do your show for free in another state you have to give me something yeah. I mean, I may not make money, but I'm not going to go into the negative. And, that, and I did that, and I made that happen. And then I haven't made money money, but I've made a living. I mean, thank God for my parents letting me live with them um, so I don't have to pay rent. I'm able to travel, you know, because, like, yeah. that's a part of it. Like, I'll be out for three or four months. I don't pay rent somewhere. I'm not there. Yeah, <laughs> you you're know? just throwing the money away. Yeah, exactly. And they don't, it does, it's doesn't a storage hurt. fee, like a very expensive storage fee. Exactly. And it doesn't hurt them to just not use their spare bedroom. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, my next goal is to make a living, meager though it may be, you know. So, I feel yeah. like that'd be a good sitcom, like you and your parents. <laughs> I thought so too. I thought it'd be really fun. My life is weird, you know, like just like that festival that there was a beautiful girl at the festival who said that she had drugs in her windowless van, and I went out to the windowless van and I ate those drugs, you know? I'm almost 40. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a middle aged white woman. That's not middle aged white woman behavior. <laughs> but it was worth it, right? It was so great. It was one of the best nights. And you got ever. on stage and stripped. It, yeah, got down to Muskivies <laughs> and did a little fun. Strip Joker, can I just stra- shout out Strip Joker yeah. right now? That is the best show. Definitely in Chicago, and not not to discount the other shows, because Tuxedo Cat's amazing. Everything they do in Chicago is dope, but Strip Joker is one of the best shows I've ever done in this country. Period. Like it, they're dope. They're nice. Um, you think it would be nerve wracking to take your clothes off, and it is. But like, they cultivate a vibe that is just loving enough that you're like, all right. Yeah, and everyone's doing it. Yeah. 
So, like, you know, you're not, it's not just you. Yeah. Like, what's everyone say, like, they're, you know, when you're on stage and, and they, oh, when you get nervous, imagine everyone in their underwear. Like, it's kind of the reverse in a way. Yeah. But every, like, you know, you're, you're up, then whoever's next, they're also doing the same thing. Yeah. So, and you know, Dwayne's going to go all the way. <laughs> uh, Joe Pettis does a similar thing. Joe Pettis out of Atlanta does the underwear comedy party. Yeah, they came through to New Orleans and I thought about signing up, but then I, like, talked myself out of it. But a lot of people for that just did, like, 90s and, you know, like, yeah. they came dressed up. It was a little different than, like, stripping down. Yeah, I don't ever take my shirt off. Like, nobody wants to see my gut. I don't want people to see my gut. But, like, you can see me in my boxers. That's cool. And it's fun. It's really freeing. And what I will say for Joe Pettis about that show is he's another one of those comics that works really hard to make sure that people are not predators or not. If you even have a hint of some kind of bullshitty thing that you've either done to somebody in the scene or done to women in general, Joe will not have you on his show. Like, he does Good. not fuck around with that. Like, his reputation is stellar, and he intends to keep it that way. And I think that is just so... That's what you want out of bookers. You know, you want that nobleness. You want that kind of, like, integrity. Well, you want to know that if you're going to watch the show or if you're going to be on that stage, that you can trust this yeah. space. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that Joe Pettis with the Underwear Comedy Show and uh, Brittany Mayer and Molly Kearney with uh, uh, Strip Joker, they do the best job at that and I think that's why that show is so fun to do I mean it's totally nerve-wracking for me my body's been judged my whole life you know like but being able to do that like I just love those little comedy challenges that you know like I've gotten I've done a show where I got a tattoo while I was doing stuff. oh you did that show yeah I saw that online I was like I would do that yeah it was fun it hurt like a bitch it's hard it's hard to focus I mean but um I like that I did a show one time where I had to be blindfolded while they shot squirt guns and like those little you know those pop cork pop things that oh yeah they shot those at me while I was doing my set. Like, I love a challenge. Like, whatever your comedy challenge is, I will come to your city and do it. What uh, what tattoo tattoo did you get? I got this big microphone on my back. Look at this thing; it's huge. Oh shit! Yeah. Nice. It's got a bird in it. Yeah, my friend uh, Linnea, Linnea Stahura out of uh, uh, Portland, Oregon, designed it for me and sent it to me. And then I got it. I would name the artist that tattooed on it, but uh, he fucked it up really badly, so fuck him. But my friend Terry out of uh, Animated Canvas fixed it for me, so that's oh. why it looks good now. Yeah, it looks nice. Yeah, she fixed it up for me. You ever done a roast battle? I have, but I hate them. I'm about to do my first one. I'm having a hard time. Yeah, I don't like to be mean. So I'm sure, I think mine ends up being nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm always like, well, you're obviously too handsome to have ever been picked on. <laughs> what do you got to say about that? Yeah. Where are you doing your roast battle in New Orleans? Yeah. It's a show called Beefin that they just started. It's like nice. maybe the fourth one. And I, they asked me to do it before, and I said no, because I was like, I don't know if that's my thing. And then what you were saying about comedy challenges, I'm like, I need to do these things. Yeah. I need to put myself in uncomfortable positions as far as like the types of comedy just to see if maybe maybe it is my thing. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm not bad at it. Maybe I'm reaching an audience member that I wouldn't have reached otherwise. Like I'm going to try everything. Yeah. So that's why I decided to do it. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to try it. Well, and the best thing is, is that you never know when a joke's going to come out of that. And God bless a joke coming out of anything, right? I mean, I will take, I will take a bad situation just to be like, Ooh, but that was a really sweet joke. But yeah, I think that that's awesome. Good for you. But I can tell you're probably you're probably like me. Like I don't, I don't want to be mean to you. Let's just have fun times and be friends. And the guy that I'm up against first is like he's a sweetheart. And the only thing I'm five two and he's shorter than me, so I'm kind of like well. And everyone's like, well, you're everyone does short jokes for him, and I'm like, yeah, but he's the only person I could ever tell short jokes about. When you're five two, there's no one, you know. There's no one I'm shorter than me. The one. Yeah. Do you tour a lot? Oh yeah, all the time, as much as possible. I was on a tour when I met you uh, in Midwest. I went on a 
toured to Chicago not too long ago. Went to Chicago, Portland, Ohio. No, wait, no, not Ohio. What's the one with the potatoes? Idaho? That's the one. How's Idaho comedy? Man, I tell you what, uh, go to Boise, Idaho, to Liquid Laugh Lounge there. Uh, Sophie Hughes runs that. She is one of the most incredible people I've ever met. She's amazing. She kicked this guy out of the club for being too loud and drunk. I have no idea what she said to him because I was just sitting in the lobby. I could just see them a distance from me. I don't know what she said to him, but at the end of the conversation, he said, cool, can I have a hug? And gave her a big hug and then left the venue. Damn. Happy that he had just been kicked out for being too drunk. What did she say to She's him? magic, dude. I don't know. That is magic. She's amazing, but like, get to know Sophie. Go play her club. She's so fucking cool. And she's a comic and she's hilarious. I'll definitely check her out. And just to get back to the only pin that we put in things. I always put pins in, and then I don't remember, but I did remember. You said you're still friends with most of, or a bunch of your exes? Yeah, pretty much. How how does that work for your life? You know, really good, because most of them, it's been so long that it doesn't matter anymore. I make it a point to date really uh, smart, articulate, beautiful women. And I don't have a single ex that'll argue that point. Uh, <laughs> but no, I really, and I, I think, you know, a lot of times if there's enough for there to be a relationship, there's enough to be a friendship. I don't like to end things badly. I don't like to be, you know, I'm trying to be very honest. I'm not going to say I've never cheated cause I did when I was younger, but like, that's not how I do things now. That's not, I end relationships or, you know, a lot of times, a lot of them were when I was in high school and stuff like that. So I gave the toast at one of my ex-girlfriend's weddings and another ex-girlfriend wanted me to marry her and her now fiance did you no something happened that they called it off but it wasn't but they were yeah like her fiance now he um he actually i was trying to get cat williams to let me open for him so like all these people like hit cat williams page that was coming to columbia and they were like jen snyder's this blah 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 but the best one was from my friend piper's uh fiance he was like i and her ex-girlfriend's new fiance, and even I think she should open for you. So if that does, that what better endorsement is that? Yeah. It's like, so I love him. He's amazing. It's like that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. So like, I did you get to open for Cat? No, no, I didn't. I, he's my hero. Like that's that's my top comic ever. What do you think about? Did you hear all this shit with him and Tiffany Haddish and Kevin Hart? No. What happened? He he went on this, and I, I'm. Don't want to misquote it, but yeah, he, Cat Williams was basically saying that Tiffany Haddish um, sucks and that she got lucky and that Girls Trip was only good because there was three like professional actresses that were with her. Yeah, he was just saying all this stuff about like uh, that Kevin Hart sold out, that Gerard Carmichael's a sellout. He's just talking some shit. I mean, aren't they sellouts? I can't, I can't wait to sell out. <laughs> Who is buying? Who is buying? I'm selling right now. Satan, listen up. Man, I love Cat, but Cat's going kind of crazy over the years. He does some things. I'm yeah, like, I think Bruh. a lot of it was ego, too. Because he was saying, too, that Monique only got offered $250,000 because yeah. that's how many seats she sold on her last tour. And that he was that Netflix offered him like $2.1 because that's how many seats like he was able to fill on his last tour. Like, I think some of it was just his ego being like, I should be, like, I should be where Kevin Hart is. Why am I not? And then Tiffany Haddish just walks in. Like, I feel like, I feel like he felt like she didn't put in the work. Not that, and I, I think she has. Like, I've looked at older clips of hers. Like, she's been doing stand-up. She's been around yeah. trying to, you know, act and do this and that. Like, she's been hustling. It's not like she just showed up one day. That's the other thing that I think is crazy with comics is like, were you at Kyle Kinane last night? No. Like, he was saying, he's like, I've been doing this shit for 20 years. And a lot of people still like, 
all the comics know who Kyle Kinane is, but you didn't know him. You didn't know him from twenty years of comedy. You've yeah. known him from maybe five, five to yeah, yeah, about five years of comedy. Yeah. So it's that crazy thing that like you've been putting this work in, but nobody fucking sees it because they don't give a shit until you're in a movie or somebody brings you on tour, or whatever it is. So yeah. it's that crazy thing. So I feel like Cat might have just had a little. He felt like she just walked into this sour so. grapes, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like that with a lot of people. Like I'm not a Mulaney fan. Because I know his parents are rich and that he didn't have to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he wasn't eating fucking ramen to get to be John Mulaney. I know people are probably going to hate on that a lot, but I'm, I'm just not a Mulaney fan. When I was in L.A., Chris D'Elia, people were saying that about him. They were like, basically, instead of a bringer show, his parents would just pay the venues to put him on. Oh, wow, really? I don't know if it's true or not. This is just what the other comics Chris D'Elia like, made me laugh, him. though. That one bit about the alligator. <laughs> is that your alligator? It's like wearing pants? <laughs> like... I think he's funny. I mean, whatever. I, if my parents were rich, they would do that too. So I ain't talking that much shit. My parents are just poor and love me. But I think that like it's harder for these comics that have like really put in the work. Like maybe you have this in your scene. Like a lot of open micers will come out and they'll start doing it. And they're like, when do I get on a show? And I just want to be like, <laughs> guess what? I didn't get to be on shows until I made my own shows. Like, yeah. you know, like you know how many free shows I did. You know how much like you you really do and. I, I don't know why. Maybe because we all struggle. We feel like we, we oughta. You know? Like, you ain't earned it if you haven't. But, I don't know. I feel like it makes me a better comic. Makes me more resilient. Makes me more, you know, and I still don't make John Mulaney money, but, you know what I mean? Like, I can also get tattooed while I do a set. I don't know if Mulaney can do that. Like, he would not do that. I call- feel like his pain threshold is very small. <laughs> Calling you out, John Mulaney. Let's do it. <laughs> What's she going to do? You're listening to this queer podcast. Yeah. <laughs> What if, what if he's like a really big fan of yours? Oh my god! <laughs> this, I love you. I this saw this fucking bitch right here. <laughs> Who is Jen Snyder? Get her on the phone. Have his people call uh, your parents. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like Tiffany Haddish though. I I think she's fantastic. I love Girl Strips filmed in New Orleans. I haven't um, seen it yet. Okay, watch it. I'm good. It's it's hilarious. Like okay. it's just they just look like they're. I like movies and I like shows where people just look like they're having fun. Me too. And I that's what it looks like. More of that. Why can't we see more happy movies that make you feel good after you see them? Like yeah. why don't they do that in the world anymore? I mean, even like like you can shit on the Seth Rogen Judd Apatow stuff, but they all just get together and like have. Of that shit's ad lib because they're having a good time. Yeah, end of the world is a piece of crap, but it's funny. Yeah, I enjoyed it. And they're having fun. You could tell they're just cracking each other up. You know, that's going back to your definition of success. Like that would be the pinnacle for me is have enough fame to make and do movies with my friends. Stupid ass, super trooper. You know that broken lizard club, that kind of thing. That's what I want is to just make crazy stupid movies and crazy stupid TV with all my comedy buddies and you know. So we don't never have to work a job that we hate ever again, and we make people happy. That sounds good. Well, yeah. I think that's a good note to to end it on. Uh, thanks, Jen Snyder, for hanging out. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. It's been great. It's been good hanging out with you, and hopefully see you at future shows and festivals. Yes, absolutely. When I come to New Orleans, and when you come back to here to Columbia. Yeah. If you're not allergic to cats, you're welcome to stay with me. <laughs> <laughs> if you are allergic to cats, you can still stay with me. I'd be a terrible lesbian. <laughs> I was allergic to cats. True. <laughs> True. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. Y'all give it up for Miss Jim Snyder! I get it. I know what it looked like. It looked like Orange is the New Black and Mad Men did it. I look like Boone Draper. I get it. Straight people, please stop asking me if I've seen that damn show. I'm so glad you seen a fat lesbian one time and now you feel like you got an end to talk to me. But bring up how nice my tie is.
eye is, okay? Before you go, this is just black, get out of my face. Yeah. I love y'all. I love you, straighties. Any of my people here? Okay, you can just give me the secret signal next time. Don't alert them to your presence. There's so many of them here right now. This is very stressful. Just gaggles of straighties. That's what y'all are called when you're in packs like this. I'm not heterophobic. I love y'all. I'm cool with y'all. Even though I look like this, some of you straighties still hit on me. Yeah. Happens with men. They always say, hey, listen, I won't tell nobody. I know, which I find insulting. Like, you think my knowledge of men is so limited, I don't know that's a lie? And more importantly, like, the only thing keeping me from the sweet, sweet heterosexual loving is the fact y'all can't keep a secret. Like, if y'all can keep it on the download, it'd be a lot more short hair and awkward blowjobs to go around. But now y'all want to talk about that shit. It happens with women, too. The first is the ugly straight girl. And she's always like, if I was gay, if I was gay, I would be beating down your door. And I'm thinking to myself, bitch, you would have to. The door, the dresser, the bed, whatever else I can shove in front of that motherfucker. That's what you be beating down to get to me, bitch. Just because I like women don't mean I like you all, okay? Some women just think showing up with a vagina qualifies them to ride this teeny tiny adorable fun ass ride. It does not. The other one, and it's just as upsetting as the ugly straight girl, is the hot straight girl. Y'all. And y'all always want to say the same shit too. Oh my god, you are so funny. <laughs> if you had a penis, I would totally sleep with you. Or what the fuck you mean if I had a penis? I got a drawer full of penis. I got big penis, little penis, black penis, white penis. Hell y'all, I got purple penis. You can feel like you're fucking an alien. We can overcome shit that don't matter. That's what the whole world's trying to do now. People are always trying to bother you about shit that don't matter. This chick the other day said to me, she's like, oh my God, you're like overweight. You must really hate yourself. <laughs> I was like, no, dummy, I ain't fat because I hate me. I'm fat because I love me. I don't deny me nothing if me wants a blunt and a cupcake. Me wants a blunt and a motherfucking cupcake. The licking and a smoking, licking and a smoking. Sometimes you lick that blunt, you smoke that cupcake. That's just the games we play, people. Just the games we play. The problem with my weed smoking is I smoke too much. I realized this the other day when I was trying to hit a bowl, and I had to turn the radio down, you guys, just so I could hit the bowl. Yeah. I was just sitting there like, nah, not today, Sade. Nope. I cannot hit this bowl, cry drive this car all at the same time. Something's gotta give. I was so high, you guys, I thought a bus was pulling me over. I thought it was just gonna pull up next to me and be like, shh, oh, we all saw what you were doing. You're going to jail, bitch. There's like 25 witnesses on this bus. I have a lot of stoner thoughts, though. That's the real problem why we smoke it. Like, here, I'll give y'all some. Um, did y'all hear they're making an Anne Frank musical? Exactly. You cannot do that shit. We're in how else, they gonna do it? How else they gonna do it? You cannot be loud in the attic, bitch. End of play, okay? God. Here's
here's another one for you. Did y'all hear Michigan is outlawing anal and oral sex? Yeah, exactly. Not just for my people, for you straighties, okay? That just fucks me up in the head. That means a room full of men. Come on, get real. Lawmakers are men. That means a room full of owners and operators of peni were like, nah. If, if, if my bitch ass wife ain't gonna do it, I'll be damned if them purdy mouth promos is gonna get it. We making a law right now, you guys. Guess what the penalty is for breaking the law? 15 years in jail. Not even cocksucker rehabilitation. They just throw you in the clink for your dick sucking ways, just making license plays like, damn it. I knew I should have been gay. This is bullshit. <laughs> Well, I just feel like that just makes the problem worse. You know what I'm saying? You go to jail for dick sucking. Let's be real. <laughs> but like, that 15 years, that's too long, y'all. It should just be like a simple flyer, okay? Just a little flyer. They mail it out to your, your neighborhood and your job and your school and your kids' school. It's called the Cocksucker Weekly. And it's just a flyer of all your friends and loved ones who got caught sucking, sucking cock that week. Yeah. Just a bunch of your friends and neighbors in the picture book like this. It was his birthday. It was literally the only thing he asked for was a cocksuck. I went to Publix, I went to Target, I went to Walmart. Nobody had a cocksuck. I had to make it homemade. I feel like that's mean to men in Michigan. Like men in Michigan are whipping it out and women are like, oh, no, I won't be doing hard time for such a minor offense. You can put that away. and you whip it out and she goes to town like a hoover. Well, you know right then and there, sir, you got a felonious cock. You got a dick worth committing a crime for. People see you on the street, they're like, hey man, where's your girlfriend? In the clink where she belongs. Her, uh, her stepbrother's there too, it's a, it's a lady. Um, I wish the word homophobic meant what it sounded like. Like, I wish straighties were legit scared of gay people. Cause if y'all was, everywhere I went, I'd be like, rock! I'ma just chase y'all around for funsies and shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just like the thought of a girl like calling her boyfriend at like four in the afternoon, like, oh my god, Jeremy, I have to go to work at five, and when I went to take a shower, um, there was a fat little lesbian in the bathtub. <laughs> what do you mean, what did I do, Jeremy? You know I'm afraid of those things. I need you to come over and squish it with a flip-flop. <laughs> And Jeremy just comes in, he's a good guy, you guys. He just comes in with like a big giant ass napkin and a cup and he's like, come on, get out of here. Come on, come on, Virgin. Come on, I'm just gonna drop you back off in the wild. I'm just gonna take you to a golf course. Come on, get into the cup. Actually, you know what I wish it was like, y'all? I wish it was like vampirism. Like, I wish I could bite you straighties and make y'all gay. Oh, y'all don't wanna laugh as hard as that? Y'all think that's funny? Okay, listen, I'm not gonna bite everybody, you guys. That's just ridiculous. I'm not gonna bite everybody. We still need you guys to make us. <laughs> Thank you so much. Next time you're standing around like, where are all these gay people coming from? Y'all. <laughs> My mom and daddy straight as all get out and they made this. That's science, bitches. I don't know what to tell y'all. I wouldn't, I, that's what I'm saying, I wouldn't bite everybody, y'all. Just there would be like less bigots and assholes in the world. You just see me in a Walmart just perched on top of a shelf, just awaiting. <laughs> I'm gonna get me one of these rude bastards. Oh, you thought you could wear camouflage and I wouldn't see you? I see you, big boy. Whenever I get ready to strike, I start wiggling my butt like a cat. 
like a little baby gazelle. And they be coming up like RuPaul, like, what is happening, bitch? God, what are we doing in Walmart? I only shop at Target. This is bullshit. Why am I wearing all camouflage? The other bears are never gonna see me like this. Some of y'all aren't as straight as you pretend. Um, I, this probably won't be very popular in Alabama, but I'm just gonna say it, you guys. We need to take away everybody's guns. And give everybody a sword. Yeah, man, woman, child, swords. We're going to Game of Thrones in this bitch, okay? Ain't nothing but titties and swords, which don't sound like they go together, but they really do. I just like the image of like frat boys and bars, just like, check, check, Because you know we got capes now. want none, all right, Pop? Like, you'll have rich people being like, oh, I bought my sword at Tiffany's. It's sterling silver with rubies in the hill. And then you'll have redneck dudes like, oh, I made my sword myself. It's a chainsaw sword. I feel like you'll be able to spot douchebags from miles away if we have swords. Because, like, real douchebags, you know, they'll be carrying, like, big-ass swords that they can't even pick up over their head. You know, just dragging trenches behind them. You know? They, they live in Michigan, so they feel really bad about themselves. And I don't know what it is about bitch-ass dudes, but bitch-ass dudes hate me. Real men love me. We get along like peas and carrots. But bitch-ass dudes always want to say some shit to me like, You look like a man. Oh. You do know what it looks like. Hey, you mad I'm doing it better? You mad your girl noticed I was doing it better? Anyway, sir. I know. And he's probably trying to get his big douchebag sword to cleave me twain. Yeah. That's learning. And I, yeah, I got my uh, Princess Bride uh, rapier. You know, you know, Nigo Montoya, you killed my father rapier. And I done cut him up like a baby ninja wombat before he can do shit. Just walking off flipping my cape like I guess thou didn't want none of this. Um, where I, I like to do that joke, but I want to clear up something really quick. I hate when people see me and they think um, man hater because I'm not a man hater. I love men. Where are my men at? Always some hesitation. Feel like they're guys like don't 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 look man. I don't know if you know this about lesbos, but they're uh, sights motion based. You should be quiet because bitch can't see us. My name is Jen Snyder, thank you so much. Thank you to our guest, Jen Snyder, for sharing her world with you. Special thanks to Jessa Fallon and Ryan Golub for your help editing and producing the show. And thanks to all our friends and supporters. If you like what you hear, subscribe to us. Give us some feedback, some reviews. We appreciate it all. You can find us on all the social media, near and queer to my heart, except Twitter. We're queer to my heart. Uh, also, you can email us, oldschool, near and queer to my heart at gmail.com. You can catch Greetings from Queer Mountain, the live queer storytelling show in New Orleans, Austin, New York City, and officially now in Oakland. Check out our Facebook page for more information. Thank y'all. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.